analysis and general sports information on the Cowboys, Washington football team, and Seattle Mariners on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Harry Gollin, here with Andrew Pearson. Hello, folks. And today, Andrew and I are going to be covering tonight's matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Additionally, we're going to eulogize the Seattle Mariners season. Let's not get ahead of our... Oh, and I should not neglect to mention, we will also be looking at an interesting list of NFL quarterbacks. Andrew, I think you. It, I think it suffice to say that we have some issues with the ordering of that list. You can say I'm a... I'm I'm just chomping at the bit here, Harry, to uh, address some address some problems I have with uh, not only this quarterback list that we're going to look at, but also kind of my uh, analysis on traditional uh, NFL media and quote unquote analysis. Analysis, yeah, more like analysis. Am I right? Wow. And, uh, anyway, yeah. Are you uh, proud of yourself so for that one? I'm proud of myself, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're a football history show first. Absolutely. And I know. The folks at home, they're not here for anything but Bubby Brister. Only. So let's get there. So we're, the matchup we're examining for this second week is the Eagles versus the 49ers. Now, the 49ers hold the all-time advantage in the series, 19-14, to 14, with one tie. The teams have met once in a wildcard game in 1996, and the Eagles were shut out. So we're not going to talk about that one. This is boring. <laughs> It was a low-scoring game, too. The Niners only scored 14 points, but it's not worth it. it and what, nice what, what year would, would that have been? Wildcard 96. Wildcard 96. The, 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 the Niners were still good in 96, too. They, they would have still had Steve Young. Yeah. and Steve Young, I think, yeah. Yeah. Jerry Rice, still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, we're not talking about that, though. Let's, let's do a little bit of a throwback, uh, which is a bit nostalgic for you and me, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, so we're going we're gonna to go back to the, put yourself, it's 2008. Okay. It's Candlestick Park. Still Candlestick. Now, still Candlestick at this point. Uh, so going in, you probably wouldn't imagine this game would be very close. The Eagles have Donovan McNabb and Andy Reid mm-hmm. with even a solid defense. Meanwhile, the 49ers have the less than forgettable duo of J.T. O'Sullivan under center. Mm-hmm. Right? And, Andrew, I'm going to give you a guess who was on the sidelines for that team. Who was on the, who, who was on the sidelines? I know this. Uh, Mike McCarthy was the, the Mike McCarthy was the, the offensive. Your name, I yeah, I, you. I know it is. Uh, Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator under under him. It was. Oh my gosh! It was the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys last year. That's right. I the know. guy who gave up a franchise record amount of points and got hot sauce in his eye. Oh my gosh! I'm blanking on the his name. one, the, the only, only Mike Nolan. Only this. Yes. So so for those who don't know. Mike Nolan, uh, the, the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys last year, who was infamously terrible, uh, mm, actually their gave defense was infamously terrible. Actually gave Mike McCarthy his his start um, coordinating in the NFL. They explains how McCarthy would ever give him a job. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> out of nepotism, you know, is how he got the defensive coordinator gig in Dallas. But uh, they're actually quite infamous for being the guys who passed on Aaron Rodgers first overall. Alex Smith still and Mike McCarthy still ends up with Aaron Rodgers that is basically a metaphor for Mike McCarthy's coaching career he makes the wrong decision and he and Aaron Rodgers bails him out anyway it really it, it really does anyway let's not let's not get too far into the Mike Nolan lore that's a rabbit hole you can fall down that's a lot so, that's a lot that's a lot of hot sauce you need to drink in order to get to the bottom of that put in your eyes it's like eye drops so 
the records were actually a little closer. It was two and the two and three Eagles versus the I believe two and three Niners, but the mm-hmm. Eagles were dealing with injuries, so it was a little, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, let's start with the game. So the first quarter sees San Francisco boot two field goals thanks to kicker Joe Medney, but a TD yeah. run by Coral Corral, excuse me, Buckhalter gives Philly a seven six lead. Then McNabb finds Hank Basket early in the. Excellent name, by the way, for a receiver. Hank, Hank Basket. Basket. I like that. Uh, who, you know, so touchdown pass to Basket in the early second quarter. David Akers gives, uh, gets a field goal himself. And the Eagles head into the locker room with a commanding 17-6 to lead. Oh, excuse me. No, I've jumped the gun. I'm sorry. They should enter the locker room with a commanding 17-6 to lead. Mm-hmm. But, Andrew, who's on that sideline for the Eagles? For the Eagles? Um, well, well, yeah, as you said earlier, it was Andy Reid, but by the way, folks, uh, I believe it was John Harbaugh was the special teams coordinators for the Eagles at this time. Yeah. So fun little fact for y'all. Fun little fact. But what does Andy Reid do? He coaches coaches offense. Late in games, in the clutch. What does he do? Well, traditionally, he used to, uh, uh, choke. Yeah. So... Joe Nedney kicks another field goal. Eagles are still up 17-9. It's fine, right? Everything is okay. Galaxy brain Andy Reid. He's going to go for a 54-yarder in candlestick. Oh, like on the awful, you know, soggy grass field? With the swirling winds the way the stadium was designed. Oh, no. Well, it does. he doesn't, you know what, in fairness to David Akers, he didn't miss the kick. Because it gets blocked and returned for a touchdown. Oh, no. <laughs> but this is what's interesting. You want to talk about how much the NFL has changed. The 49ers kick their field goal. They don't go for two and head into the locker room down 17-16 instead of going for the tie. Mm. That's a little interesting decision they made there. Yeah, but, coach used to, you, coaches have been getting much more aggressive in the past couple of years. It's, it's really interesting to see, you know, kind of the dynamics of the, of the league changing over time. But anyways, continue, Harry. Yeah, so all of a sudden, Andy Reid has essentially magic a 17-6 to or 17-9 to lead into a one-point lead. So, not ideal. But don't worry, because he didn't have to worry about holding out that lead for long. Joe Dandy kicks a field goal pretty much on the first drive of the third quarter. Then Frank Gore rumbles into the promised land. That's young Frank Gore, by yeah, the way. Yeah, this is this prime is Frank, Frank Gore, yeah. Exciting young Frank Gore. Um, what happened to him, by the way? I think he's still kicking around. I, I don't. He was, I, he was playing as recently as like 2020, wasn't he? Yeah, he was playing like last in year in games. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was on the Jets. Yes, he was on the Jets. Remember? Yes. Gase. <laughs> <laughs> Two yard runs up the middle with Frank Gore, baby. That's right. Uh. Anyway, so Frank Gore rumbles in, and then there's another Joe Nedney field goal. And so, or excuse me, no, there's only one. So now the Eagles are suddenly trailing 26 to 17, heading into the fourth quarter. But you know what? You know what, Andrew? Oh, no. It's a Mike Nolan defense. And what happens to Mike Nolan defenses? <laughs> They're not very good at defense. So immediately in the fourth quarter, Donovan McNabb recovers. He tosses a two-yard pass to LJ Smith. And all of a sudden, they are, it's now 26-24. David Akers kicks three consecutive field goals. 
drive after drive after drive. Mm-hmm. And now the Eagles are winning. But of course, to add insult to injury, Jukwa Parker returns an interception for a pick six, putting a tw- putting an end to a 23-point run in the fourth quarter for Philadelphia and securing them a 40-26 to win. Wow. 23 points. Andrew, is that is that familiar? Is that a Mike Nolan? Did that happen with Mike Nolan? I'm having I'm having some flashbacks right now, Harry. (laughs) I need I need I need some hot sauce. (laughs) But not in your eye, I assume. No, no, I need it in my heart. I need it in my (laughs) brain to to make sure it burns away. Make sure it never appears again. Earth is salted, all of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So 20 that was, 2020 never problem. happened, buddy. So, that's, that's, a, that's a Cowboys moment. Okay. So, yeah, that was that. was that Right. Pretty embarrassing loss. But let's talk about some of the names. Mm-hmm. So, J.T. O'Sullivan, the Niners QB, mm-hmm. was an unexceptional journeyman quarterback. He bounced around the league. Yes. There are two interesting facts about him. I, I, I have well, an interesting fact about him, actually. Why I might have your interesting fact. First... He has a YouTube channel called the yes, QB School. Yes, I love the QB School. That's what I was about to say. It's, it's actually very informational, too, and oddly high production value. Yeah. Well, so. there you go. I don't I don't watch as much of his content, admittedly, but I'm aware of it. And yes. I, I cross-referenced it when I was like, hey, I recognize that name. And sure enough, there he is. But the other thing is he actually has a PhD in leadership. Random, but what like. What is that? that seems I don't like, know. That, but that, you that's don't, like. I have a PhD in art. You say that, but you have to do a lot of work for a PhD, so I don't know. I don't know what that is. You have to lead. I, I don't know. What is, What does that even mean? I don't know. But let's also talk about another personal favorite of mine, Joe Nednick, that Niners kicker. Mm-hmm. Again, a journeyman kicker. Now, it's actually impressive that he held on for as long as he did because in his rookie season, do you know what his kick percentage was? Oh, I had to have been less than 50%. No, it was not that bad. It was 62%. 62%? Okay. That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's pretty bad. Now, <laughs> now, it is notable that back in the day, uh, teams actually had a lot more patience with kickers than they do nowadays. You know who didn't need any patience because he was that good? Sammy Baum. Mark Mosley. Sammy Baum, but he wasn't a kicker. But he could have kicked if he, and he would have been the best if he had done it. But Mark Mosley. That's MVP. right. MVP. It's MVP. It's criminal that David Akers is in the Hall of Fame, who we just talked about, yeah. but Mark Mosley isn't in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry, Andrew. Uh, how many MVP trophies does David Akers have? Zero. That's right. Mark Mosley, the most valuable, most valuable player. David Akers has uh, the same amount of MVPs in the NFL that I do, okay? True. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with that, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, anyway, that, but Joe Nedney, that's beside the point. He revitalizes his career with some solid, with some solid efforts on a number of teams. Now, two interesting facts about him. One, that twice he, he had the final kick to beat a team that killed their playoff dreams, right? Oh, that really? happened twice in his career, like the final kick as time expired. But he never got the kick to send his own team to the Aww. playoffs. So he only crushed dreams. <laughs> The only thing that I could possibly think of why you would know Joe Nednick is because in 2007, uh, a fan was heckling him. And you know kickers, they're in the zone. They want to, they don't want to be messed with. They got to focus. Yeah. This fan won't leave him alone. 
Like Joe Nedney. I mean, he's a nice guy. I assume I don't know him personally, but he just snaps and he flips him off. <laughs> oh, he's such a rebel. Well, he did, and it, it cost him $7,500. So it's a $7,500 <laughs> middle finger. How much did it cost Earl Thomas when he flipped off the Seahawks sideline? I don't know. I don't know. Probably more. But I think Mike, I think Mike Vick flipped off, uh, flipped off a crowd like, and he got fined, you know, like $80,000 per middle finger. Yeah. 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 But anyway, Joe Nenny only suffered a $7,500 fine, but that's not exactly jump jump change. That's a lot of money. (laughs) It Um, is. Anyway, anyway. So yeah, that is, that is kind of the Joe Nenny story. But folks, Andrew. Harry. There's a distinct lack of Bubby Brister in this story. It's really starting to bother me. You cover. Thank you. Because the next game, the next game is a game in Candlestick, again, actually, on January 3rd, 1994. Now, you might say, but Harry, you said they've only played one playoff game, and it was in 96. Why are they playing in January? But it's not a playoff game. So... Andrew, oh do you, know why, you know what this is? You know why? I'd like for you to tell me. So in 1994, the NFL decided to expand to an 18-week schedule. Does this sound familiar? Hmm. Everyone hated it, and they went away from it. But, but. this was a Week 18 game. So, and the reason it was put where it was was also to avoid college football's New Year's Day thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where they were. Okay, so Bubby Brister's heading into week 18, heading into candlestick, right? His Philadelphia Eagles are looking to just crawl to 500 because despite Bubby's superhuman efforts, they're not a winning team yet. Wow. The San Francisco 49ers, they're 10 and 5, right? It's a David versus Goliath or like a David versus uh, like a, some sort of medium-sized <laughs> opponent, you know? Not, Goli- not Goliath. It's David versus, I don't know, Jim. David versus Jim, but Jim's like six feet tall, okay? Like, let's be clear. Jim's a big guy. Okay, he's yeah. tough. Yeah. Anyway, and you know who was quarterbacking that Niners team? Andrew. It would have been Joe Montana. No. But what what year is this, 94? Yeah. Would it have been Steve Young at this point? Yes, Steve Young quarterback, but it wasn't just Steve Young. It wasn't just Steve Young? Yeah. You know who it was, Andrew? Oh my gosh. Um Jeff Garcia? Steve Bono. Steve Bono? Oh, that's so funny. Oh, I love Steve Bono. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he actually threw more passes than uh than than Young. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, than Steve Young. He did not, incidentally, have a higher passer rating, but alas, alas. So what happens? Well, Philly jumps out to an early lead. Roger Ruzek, excellent name, by the way, kicks a 34-yard field goal, right? Mm-hmm. So 3 nothing, but that's not much, is it? No. Then Byron Evans returns a, 30 yard, uh, returns a fumble 30 yards for a touchdown. All of a sudden, they're up 10 nothing in the first quarter. Whoa, these Eagles got some fight, right? Allegedly. Then. Because of Bobby Brister's pep talks on the sidelines, obviously. Obviously. But then somehow the Eagles crack and the 49ers kick a field goal before the end of the first quarter. But then 
Bobby Brewster. Bobby Brewster is, a, is someone who doesn't give up, you know? He's a galvanizing leader, Harry. He's like Rocky from the movie. Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Philadelphia, so he must be Rocky. He's not from Philadelphia, though. He's from Louisiana. <laughs> no, but he's on the Eagles. He's on the Eagles, he's on the Eagles. I... I really can you edit some Rocky music in it? <laughs> We'd probably anyway. get copyrighted. Yeah, we would. Anyway, so second quarter, Bobby Brewster realizes the defense the defense just can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. So he's not gonna let them struggle. He fires a strike to Calvin Williams. Philly's up 17 to third to three. Then next drive, a strike to Mike Young. 24 to 3 lead. Bobby Brewster, two TDs one quarter and in fact he did it in the span of about five minutes of game time that is very impressive nice. stuff so jerry rice whoever that guy is he like catches a pass from some guy named steve young i don't know more importantly though <laughs> bobby brister's lead is cut to 14 so you know minor inconvenience yep and then ricky waters was name for you Ricky Waters. TD yeah. run for the Niners. So now 24 to 17. And then Steve Young throws a bomb to John Taylor. And all of a sudden, we're all tied at 24. This is Despite where Bobby... Bobby's best efforts. No. No, don't tell me Bobby loses. I didn't say that. I'm just saying that Bubby's pep talks. I don't know. Maybe they had earbuds in. Maybe the cl- the crowd was too loud. But the defense started playing pretty poorly. I don't know what happened. I really don't. Um... Bobby Brister said, what? We're not going to lose this game, are we? So he flips a pass to Herschel Walker. Yeah. Oh, that's right. This is post-Cowboys Herschel Walker. This is post-Minnesota Herschel Walker, too. That's right. And so all of a sudden, they're back on top. Then Roger Ruzek kicks a field goal. And all of a sudden, the Eagles, they're up 10, 34-24. It's pretty good, huh? Oh, yeah, it's supposedly... Bobby- Bubby gave them a lead, right? Bubby did what he could. He gifted it to him. That's right. And then, with less than five minutes left, Steve Bono, QB sneak, into the end zone, one yard. Then, the ultimate choke. With just 12 seconds left, the 49ers kick a field goal to send the game to overtime. Unbelievable. 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 So... What happens now? Well, what do you think happens, Andrew? I'm just gonna. Ask I've got. You. I've got a feeling the Niners got the ball first. Andrew, it didn't matter. And I'm gonna tell you what. The teams actually played the entire overtime period. Oh wow! Okay. All 15 minutes of it. But Bubby Brister. He got it done. You he, bet he, he did. You bet he, he did. <laughs> He moved him in, 28-yard shot for Roger Ruzek. Ruzek didn't miss. I think, see, this is is Bubby delivering a gift to the city of Philadelphia. The miserable citizens of Philadelphia get something to be happy about. It was a rough, I mean, the 90s had some fun parts, but they also had some rough parts for the Eagles. Yes, absolutely. Now, you want to hear Bubby Brister's stat line? Please tell me. It's pretty good. 350 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Yes. One pick. 
but it was definitely the receiver's fault. Don't worry about Probably. it. Just trust me, bro. Ran Don't a, worry about it. You ran a wrong route. <laughs> if you if you aren't where Bubby threw the ball, it was the wrong route. <laughs> 8.1 yards per attempt. So that was wasn't good. cheap. That was good. Wasn't cheap. So you're yeah, telling so-, so you're telling me Bubby Brister can get pick up 350 yards, but Steve Bono can only pick up one. Well, Steve Bono only picked up 219. Exactly. Wait, wait, did Steve Young get hurt? Yeah, I'm actually, that's one thing I couldn't find. I'm not sure where Steve Young was in all this because he just disappears at the end. I don't know if they either yanked him or they, or he was injured. You should find like super old uh, 90s that's what I tried, newspaper but- clippings. The worst one is that ESPN always has the box score and they promise the recap, but they just pull all the recaps from their website. Like, I'm not, I'm not there. Like, okay. Anyway, wow. let's see here. Also, um, I just want to say that football database, I'm, I'm disgusted by the fake news they're spreading. They claim that Bubby Brister had a negative rush, negative two yards. Fake, Didn't happen. Fake news. It's fake, it's fake news. Football database is an enemy of the people and Bobby Brister. <laughs> so anyway, Andrew, that was an impressive performance, but it actually set a record. What record did Bubby Brister set on this day? It wasn't a personal record, to be clear. It's more like a team achievement. A team, but I want to see if you can guess. Uh, leading a team with the best quarterback in the NFL? True, but I'm talking about a, a very specific record. And one that might come into play in the near future. What is that, Harry? So remember how I told you this was a Week 18 game? The one year where they actually played 18 weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, this is actually the most points scored by any team in Week 18 ever. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, all right, all right. Now, that's interesting because, Andrew, will that record hold? Will that record hold? What was the final score? 37-34. So it's actually a pretty solid score. That That might actually hold, yeah. That might hold. So never forget. Bobby well, it's Brister. only a matter of time now because the you know the NFL is all money, money grubby. You know, yeah. wanting it that is. 18th game. You know, or 18th week rather. Yeah. So anyway, 37-34, a Bobby Brister record for a Bobby Brister world. Uh, yeah. So that is a. Pr- I think that's a pretty satisfying uh, take on the history. But Andrew. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the game at hand. What do you think? Uh, I'll make this quick, uh, just so we can get to our other topics. Um, it's almost certainly going to be a Niners win. Uh, obviously, I was uh, I was relatively wrong last week. I was not expecting the Cowboys and Buccaneers game to be as close as it ended up being. So this one might end up backfiring on me again. But <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Philadelphia, they just don't have enough talent at the cornerback position to be able to keep up with the Niners' offensive playmakers. Uh, mm. they, they have a great defensive line uh, when it's healthy. Uh, that's pretty much uh, Philadelphia's strength this year and has been their strength for a long time since the Super Bowl years. Uh, their offensive-defensive lines, when healthy, are among the best in the league. The problem is that yeah. they're constantly yeah. hurt. But as of right now, they're healthy. Uh, Jalen Hurts hasn't been looking bad at all. Uh, he actually played 
pretty well last week, although, again, it was against the Falcons' defense. So, you know, you got some questions there. He looked pretty good, though. I he mean, did like, look pretty I'm just good. saying. I, I like I like Jalen Hurts. Um, I could rant about Jalen Hurts for for another couple minutes, but I won't. I'll save you guys the trouble. Um, <laughs> uh, I I like Jalen Hurts. Uh, I I wish the best for him, and hopefully, uh, he proves me wrong here against a really good Niners defense. Uh, that by the way is really short at corner now because um, they played the Lions, right? Yeah. And you know the Lions, Harry. They showed a lot of scrap. They showed a lot of grit. They almost came back in that the game. The kneecaps, they were eaten, or at least yeah. chewed. See, the the Lions, they aimed to bite kneecaps this year. Unfortunately, that kneecap was Jason Verrett's. And ACL. He, he tore his ACL. <laughs> Poor guy. That's not funny. Poor guy tore his uh, ACL. What a, what a criminal thing to have that much talent and be, a, a, by all reports, a pretty good guy. And just never be able to use it because you're always hurt. It really sucks. Yeah, it I really like sucks. I, I like Verrett a lot too, but um, yeah. that that leaves a lot of empty space at the at the Niners cornerback room, and their defensive backs aren't that great. So uh, we're gonna we'll see mm. we'll see. I I won't completely rule out uh, the Eagles in this game. I think they're gonna be a really scrappy team this year. Definitely better than I sure. than I was thinking about them going into the year. Um, going into the year, I thought they were just going to get manhandled uh, because I thought they didn't have a quarterback and they wouldn't have a healthy defense. But uh, now things are looking up for Philadelphia, and I and I think they're going to be able to uh, compete in the NFC least. But it won't be this week. Won't be this week. NFC least, more like NFC best. It's always a bloodbath. It's always, always exciting. Always okay. Don't let them spread the slander, okay? NFC East best division. We've got history, Andrew. We we actually do. They, they does have... the NFC East have the most titles combined? Most titles combined. Four so from Dallas, three from DC. That's five from Dallas. Five from Dallas, rather. Five three from, from DC. A eleven with the. Oh, wait, the Giants have four now. Right? Giants have four. So that's actually uh, that's actually twelve. Thirteen. The... They've got thirteen. Thirteen. What about the uh? What about the AFC East? They've got six. The Patriots six, and then the Jets one. Jets uh, one, and then the, the, the Miami Bills, one two. Yeah, Bills never won. So, it. so that's actually only ten. So yeah, the NFC East wins that. Yeah. Uh, NFC East wins that. And one. AFC North. Ooh, with the Steelers, six Steelers. Plus two Baltimore. Two from Baltimore. But I don't. But that's only eight, and I don't think. Oh that, yeah, that's right. The Browns were good before the Super Bowl, not after. And the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, the Bengals. AFC. I mean, the NFC West is well. Does the NFC West because they have the Niners? That's five. The but only Seahawks won. The Cards never won. Did the Rams ever win it? Yes. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, with the Great Sean Curve. But not enough. So I think they won NFC's... another one. I think they've won two. Okay, I'll give you. That don't one. don't don't quote enough. don't quote me out the second one. But uh, NFC South is the only other division. But that no no not even close. I, I think the N- NFC East actually does have everyone beat. We've got that. We've got the history, Andrew. We did it. Anyway, so that brings us to our conclusion. actually now, no I N- say... NFC North. Oh shoot. Uh, actually, no, 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 because no, no. actually, except for the Packers, nobody's been winning the Super Bowl there. 
Yeah. Except for like the Bears once. Once. 85 Ditka, let's go. Guys, guys, we're Super the best. We're the best. I love the Bears, though. They're actually one of my favorite teams. Like, they're not my team, but I like them a lot. I know. It's just. Anyways. Come on, guys. Anyways, folks. We were also anyway. going to talk about one of. Something that made me a little angry today. And I would imagine that it would make you angry, considering how bad it was. It was. It's a terrible. It's a very terrible. Um, it's a very terrible quarterback list uh, that I see. And this is something that I encourage you all, uh, the folks at home, to really think about. Uh, obviously, I'm not gonna. I, I, I don't mean to get political, Harry, but mm, football mm. analysts on ESPN quotes. And, and NFL Network. Just because you're a former player doesn't make you a good analyst. I'm sorry. True. I'm sorry. I see Ladanian Tomlinson put uh, like. Ezekiel Elliott in the top five backs in the league, and you see, um, I think it was uh, who was commentating. It might have been, uh, might have been Brian Greasy or or it was some other former player. They were talk they were talking about the Bucks, and they said they had a problem at right tackle. Guys, really? Tristan Wirfs was one of the best tackles in the league last year. And he was a rookie, and they have a problem at right tackle. It's little, it's little stupid comments like this that really grind my gears. Okay, it fills you with impotent rage. It just genuine seething negative passion towards these people. It's okay. It's I, okay. I don't. I don't actually hate these people personally. Just, just to let folks know. Nothing personnel. Kid. <laughs> Nothing personnel, kid. But uh, <laughs> LT waking up in a cold sweat, wondering if Andrew Pearson hates him. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my opinion is the only one that matters. But, but yeah. we're here to look at. No, absolutely, we're here to look at a quarterback list. Um, yeah. This this is by. I will mention the author because he is a relatively popular uh, author on on NFL.com, and by all accounts, he's relatively respected. Uh, and I yeah, said, if you're I, stupid, yeah, nah. if you're stupid. Nah, I but um, uh, I don't actually hate him personally, but I, I do want, I do feel the need to critique this list because this you got to realize a lot of the of the casual NFL fan looks at these lists and believes them as fact. Okay, because yeah. so this is why I have a problem with these types of lists. This is by Greg Rosenthal, uh, NFL editor. And Greg the Leg Rosenthal. <laughs> Greg the Leg Rosenthal. <laughs> I'm and sorry. Let, let's let's start going down the list, Harry. Um, sure, sure, let's do it. So Patrick Mahomes at number one. Uh, yeah. So, some people have Rodgers at number one, but it's pretty. You're con- dumb. It's, it, you watch it's, football. It's pretty. You don't watch football, rather. It, it's pretty consistent that, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson are the top three best quarterbacks in the NFL. I th- yeah. I think that's general consensus. I think most people have have it Mahomes, Rodgers, uh, and Wilson as, as the general consensus order, right? Sure. But uh, number two is Tom Brady, and I mm. I simply don't agree with this. I I just I can't bring myself to do it. Tom Brady physically cannot make certain throws that the other top three quarterbacks can make. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Right. 
his arm talent is somehow still around. You know, his arm hasn't disintegrated, which I think is is the most surprising. It, it really is surprising, but let's not kid ourselves here. He doesn't have a top five arm in, in the game right now. Never did. Um, he's still one of the smartest smartest quarterbacks in the league. Absolutely. Sure. But I, I'm sorry. I don't. I just don't view him as a top three. You know, el- elite quarterback anymore. He just doesn't have that no. physical physical ability. He doesn't have Randy Moss anymore. That's true. He doesn't have Randy Moss. Well, I mean, he does have an- Antonio Brown and and Mike Evans oh, and Chris Antonio Goddard. Brown is. Oh, that's that's a hot take. <laughs> but anyways, going down the list, he ha- he does still have Rodgers and Wilson rounding out the top four, which all right, fine. And then. Fifth is Josh Allen, which I I suppose is is where he he kind of should be right now. Uh, I, I feel I still feel it's a little high to put Allen here. This is actually where I would probably put Brady, just because you know there's really not not much else to do uh, with Brady because you can't put him you can't put him that much lower, right? You can and I will. <laughs> no, I'm very. I'm a very punitive Brady hater. I'm, you know, like I'm self admitted. I honestly, I don't like Brady at all. But yeah, I agree with you. He has to be pretty high. And not only that, but folks, uh, this list doesn't even include Deshaun Watson for uh, off the field reasons. But uh, if if Watson was Probably playing, for the best. if Watson was playing, he would most likely be the fourth, the consensus fourth best quarterback in the league. Let's be real here. Um, so so far the list is kind of dumb, but not egregiously bad. And then we get to his sixth ranked quarterback in the league. Somehow he put Justin Herbert at sixth, and this is this is something this is something that just lacks a complete just complete lack of nuance here. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I like Justin Herbert as much as the next guy. I'm. I've been a vocal, vocal uh, about admitting that I was wrong on Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon. Simply put, the the guy who is suited up for the Chargers right now is not the same guy who suited up for the Oregon Ducks in 2019. Uh, I I love Justin. I I really do love Justin Herbert's game now. But I'm sorry. It and you'll see the hypocrisy here uh, later on in the list, but. He's going to have Justin Herbert here at six. I'm sorry. I don't think he's ready to be a top 10 quarterback right now. Um, yeah. I, I think he, I think he's getting smarter as a quarterback. And obviously he has all the talent, all the physical talent in the world. I think he will eventually be here. But this is simply too rich for my blood. Um, sim- simply put, uh, I think Justin yeah, Herbert, I Herbert will be here eventually, maybe a year or two's time. But... My gosh, this is it's egregious. And then seven is Lamar Jackson. I and, like Lamar. He's really fun. But he, he's really fun. Absolutely. I love Lamar, right? Like but wow, that is hmm. it's simply too high. And I think this is something that the casual NFL fan doesn't recognize. Um Lamar is most certainly the best runner running quarterback in the NFL right now possibly ever uh i think quite something i i really do think he may have michael vick beat prime prime atlanta falcons michael vick beat 
in terms of being able to in terms of quarterback running the football absolutely but in terms of actually passing the ball i really don't believe in lamar as a passer i if i rank him off the top of my head maybe like the 13th or 14th best passer in the league maybe and he just he just isn't as accurate as you'd like him to be over the middle yeah. of the field he can't well, he, he he does it sometimes. It's just inconsistent being able to push the ball to the sidelines deep. He can do it. He has the arm to do it. He just doesn't have enough consistent accuracy to do it. He's still skittish in the pocket. You saw this in the Raiders game. Uh, he fumbled a couple of times. It just seems that when his back is against the wall for Lamar Jackson, his instinct isn't a pocket passing quarterback it's to run and that has shown that it could win when the game plan is on but when he's off script and he has to extend a play his play extensions are usually only runs he doesn't he doesn't run to pass if that makes sense and yeah it holds him back sort of like the anti-russell wilson in many ways yes absolutely um it's just He's not a top 10 quarterback. I'm sorry. He's a very valuable quarterback. And I understand what I'm saying here is kind of radical to to the average fan, right? And I'm not going to try and sit here and pretend, oh, I'm so much smarter than all of you puny people. Uh, It's just, I just respectfully disagree with this. I understand a lot of people are going to value the running ability a lot more than I do. But I think it's showing. It showed in the Kansas City Chiefs games last year. It's going to show in the KC game this week. Uh, and it's going, and it showed in the Raiders game last week. When when Lamar's forced to pass, he, he doesn't have that killer instinct when passing. I'm sorry, he just doesn't. And until he proves me otherwise, I'm not going to take him seriously as a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'm higher on Lamar than you are, right? I think I think this has been one of the... Um, more consistent areas where there's been some some gap between us right in the show but i have to admit that especially when you're ranking quarterbacks it's not just best players when you're ranking quarterbacks i I agree with you i think lamar needs to show some steps and i think that one of the biggest and most frustrating things about lamar throughout this throughout this time has been that he's you know he set the league on fire he's been really good and really exciting but he just hasn't been able to be a consistent passer and you know he's had some bad luck let's be clear here like last year the covid stuff but at the end of the day eventually he's got to prove it you know so i agree with you he he's still got more to prove yeah and um just noting my our our time here i am gonna go a little quicker here from now on uh dak prescott at eight is actually about where i where i would have him uh maybe maybe like one or two spots lower but at that point you're you're kind of getting picky hairs. yeah if you're gonna have freaking lamar jackson and justin herbert as six and seven i don't understand why kyler murray isn't higher uh kyler murray coming in at, at ninth under dak prescott i'm i'm sorry that no just just no uh matt stafford under ryan Tannehill at, at 10 and 11 first of all ryan Tannehill is probably the most overrated quarterback in the league right now um yeah uh people people are genuinely convinced he's a top 10 quarterback i'm sorry i don't i just don't see it uh 
I, there are very few quarterbacks I would want less on a third and long than Ryan Tannehill. Um, yeah. Just he has he has he, he's great when the when the, Ryan Tannehill's great when the game plan's on, but when he's off script, it a lot of the times it does fall apart. Frankly, uh, I just look at it and I think about that playoff game against the Ravens last year. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. and that just hurts. You can't have that. That's not the guy you can build your team around. Frankly. And then Matt Stafford is way too low at 11th. Uh, people have been sleeping on Matt Stafford for years True. just because he's on the Lions and nobody watches him. But, but did you see his wife was like, yeah, football hasn't been fun for Matt for the past five years or something like that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. And then th- this is one that drives me up a wall, okay? And we're going to get to the most egregious one here in a sec. But uh, Baker Mayfield at 12th, that's that's fine maybe a little higher for baker i'm a little higher on baker than most but um mm-hmm, that's about mm-hmm. where i'd have it Derek carr at 13th and he don't forget that on the list it says sort of like oh where did they progress from they had Derek carr at like 11 didn't they yes he actually dropped this year or dropped this week in greg rosenthal's Good list Lord. i'm sorry Derek carr as a fringe top 10 quarterback are you insane First of all, the precedent, the precedent is a really talented, a really physically talented quarterback with the most conservative play style. It's as if you you take you take Teddy Bridgewater and put him in Matt Stafford's body, and that's and you get Derek Carr. It's ridiculous. I, I'm sorry, I don't understand how you can be this high on Derek Carr. He's a good he's he's your typical quote unquote good quarterback, but. My gosh, way too high. Uh, Kirk Cousins at yeah. 14th somehow rose this week. I don't understand. Um, Matt Ryan at 15th is a little low. Um, a little too low. I put him, like, just outside the top 10. People sleep on Matt Ryan just because, you know. He's well, not... it's been rough to watch the Falcons, so. Yes. But um, I'm sympathetic. One one bad week shouldn't drop him this hard. Or this hard. Somehow Jameis Winston is 16th. Somehow, bro. What are we? What is this like? Twenty sixteen? Is this the twenty fifth? Is this post twenty fifteen rankings where people thought Jameis Winston and Mike Evans were going to be good? Well, Mike Evans. Well, I Mike mean, Evans is good, but they thought that they were going to be the next great. It's the power duo. duo. And then Jimmy Garoppolo at seventeenth. Maybe I'd have him a, a tinge higher, but I'm not. Too, I'm not going to complain. Ben Roethlisberger. Frankly, I find it hard to like Jimmy Garoppolo that much at this point. Not like personally, but like I don't know. And I then, been impressed. And then the one that drives me up the wall the most, the one that I find sacrilegious, the one that, mm. to me, almost invalidates the list. Joe Burrow oh. is 22nd in the league, according to LSU Greg Rosen. LSU fan, man. This isn't about being an LSU fan either. It's not about that. Joe Burrow is quite possibly one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league already. He showed this. He showed this last year. His ability to progress through his reads is on an elite level already. Sure. I, he is an incredibly accurate quarterback. He has amazing pocket sense. And he, he has a good, not great arm. I get it. But if you're going to put Justin Herbert at 6th and Joe Burrow at 22nd, I'm sorry. I don't see it. The only reason the Cincinnati Bengals are even have even been in games with Joe Burrow is because he has been the quarterback. They fell apart last year after Burrow got hurt. 
when Burrow was in there, he consistently kept them in games. I'm sorry. That's true. But Joe Burrow has it. He is a he's a great quarterback prospect worthy of going first overall. And by some asinine decision, Joe Burrow is coming in at 22nd. I'm sorry. I the it's terrible. This is the, the, that decision is the one that really just destroyed Baffles the list you. for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And his criticism's weird, too. So, first of all, he's talking about like, hesitant to scramble when pressure arrived. I'm sorry. Y- you want Joe Burrow, who's already making the best of one of the worst offensive lines in the league. You're, you're expecting him to... You're expecting him to start running again when he tours ACL? Really? I, I, taking yeah. five sacks, yeah, um, behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league, Greg Rosenthal. Come on, come yeah. on, Greg. Come on, Greg. Come on, Greg. And then, and then I'm rolling down the list. <laughs> Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence are way too low. Uh, Jared nah, Goff. I don't like Jared. Nah, just get rid of Jared Goff. Just get rid of off him. him at this point. Like Jared Goff, <laughs> Sam Darnold. Jared Goff and Sam Darnold and Trevor Lawrence are way too low. If he's going to put mm. Teddy Bridgewater at 20th, I, I'm sorry. It's just it's just a massive, you know, mis-evaluation of talent here yeah. from, from Greg Rosenthal. And I think that'll... You know, conclude well, this segment. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to talk about the greatest crime. You, you were all like, oh, whoa, whoa, he's so mean to Joe Burrow. His greatest crime. He ranked Taylor Heineke as the worst quarterback, the worst starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Are you high? Did you <laughs> watch the game, Greg? He's a gunslinger. You want to talk about an it factor? Man comes in, plays Tom Brady in a playoff game, outplays him. I would I would honestly take Taylor Heineke over to Otago Vailoa. Honestly. honestly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, I would, I would. And I think that's that's just, it's striking to me. I think that Taylor Heineke, the big, big NFL, has it out for him. By the way, uh, ju- just to make this clear, folks, I understand uh, the, Tua, the Tua comment might come as sacrilegious to some of you. Uh, we don't have enough time to- today to explain that. But <laughs> The Tua hit piece will be coming later. It will be coming because we have, uh, we have quite the opinion on Tua. Tua's the new Blake Martinez. <laughs> He was the Blake Martinez of quarterbacks. Honestly, yeah. true. True. Honestly, though? Not even wrong. Anyway. Anyways. So, uh, yeah. So now that will finish up our NFL list part. But we're going to end on, frankly, what I think would be framed as pretty clearly a sadder note. Yes. Right? So it, this is unfortunate. But the Mariners, <clears throat> they did what the Mariners do, Andrew. They uh they let the season slip away, and this one was a painful one because essentially every single, you know, every single time it was within reach. So game one they win, right? Yeah, thinking, we need okay. we need to set the scene really quickly. Oh yeah. First. So last week we set the scene. I talked about this is the most important series of the of the season, and it was. It's against the Red Sox. Think about it like this: the Mariners are enter the series three games out. If they win the series, they're still in it. If they sweep, they are actually they could actually be in the wild card. If they lose the series, it's kind of the end of the season, and the sweep would like nearly mathematically eliminate them. So the first game they win, 
five to four. Mitch Haniger, huge clutch home run. Second night, they actually go up two to nothing. And it's slowly drip, drip, drip. It's two to two. And then Joe Smith is left in. He pitches a good fifth inning, right? Mm-hmm. And Scott Service, Mariners manager, leaves him in for the sixth, trying to get an extra inning out of him. Lead off triple. And then Drew, they bring in Drew Steckenrider, who's one of our best relievers. And he keeps trying. He gets fancy because he's no outs. He's working around a guy on third in a tie game. I get what he's trying to do. The ump, the home plate ump blows multiple calls, uh, you know, giving, giving Steckenrider nothing to work with. But long story short, he loads up the bases and Kyle Schwarber clears him. So that game's done, right? Mm-hmm. The bullpen blows it. But it's hard to blame him too much. But it's frustrating because that game was very much within reach until it wasn't. And if Steckenrider had just come in and given up a sack fly, we would have been down one instead of going into that inning down six or seven or whatever we were down by. So that's pretty bad. Then today, we were winning again. Uh, well, actually, no, that's not fair. So we go down 3 nothing, but then we tie it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we consistently get opportunities. And this was the trend throughout the series. The offense could have done so much more, but it, it just couldn't capitalize on a lot of these opportunities. And so we let opportunity after opportunity slip by. And soon, all of a sudden, we're in the 10th inning. And the... Red Sox really just took the Mariners season out behind the woodshed, Andrew. Um, Put it out of its they misery. They scored six runs in the 10th inning. Just, just as they went into extras, it, yeah. was, it was over. And that's the end of the series. The Mariners lose it. They're a distant four games out with, like, what, 16 games left in the season? And some of those teams are not playing hard schedules down the stretch. So – this may be a bit of a premature eulogy. I hope it is. I'm still going to watch the games, but it was fun. It was fun. And I think that there's a lot of good things to be happy about. Um, you know, the team's ahead of schedule, but Andrew, I think we need to talk about, you know, this is a, this is one thing I definitely developed being a Mariners fan for so long. Right. Mm-hmm. You can talk about why, you know, it was actually good later. But in the moment, you kind of need to vent a little bit. Right? Yeah. So, Andrew, this team failed. It came up short. And for all the – it wasn't designed to win in terms of, like, he didn't – you know, Jerry didn't add a bunch of free agents. That doesn't matter. The team got close to the playoffs, but presumably, almost certainly, is not going to make it. Why did they, right? So, Andrew, there are several reasons, right? First, the offense has been inconsistent. I don't think it is as bad as it is statistically been, but I think that, but you just, I mean, Andrew, I right? think, I think, I think the, the most telling stat was, um, oh, don't say it. Uh, I, I, I hope, uh, I hope this isn't the one you're thinking of Harry, but I, I looked at the uh, wildcard standings, right. And I was looking at the mm-hmm. run differential and uh, every single team that was in the hunt was all, they were all on the green Right, so run differential is yes. How, oh, how, how many? I knew you were gonna say it. I knew you were gonna say it. Was how many runs All you right. scored versus how many runs you've allowed? Right, and um, so every team was either at, was at least you know sixty had, had scored sixty runs more than they allowed. Yeah, the Mariners going into last night were fifty six in the hole. They they right. which means. Every, they, every, which means the games that they've won, they've barely won, and they barely yeah. won by a score or two, 
and the games they lost, they were blown out. And that's kind of been the theme of the season, really. Yeah, it's been rough. And I think that that's really the most significant thing is that – and I, I have to say this, right, and I think this is important, is that you're right, Andrew, obviously. Run differential has really been it's sort of indicative of the broader problem. But this team was really fun, and there were a lot of over overperformers. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But I think what you're seeing is the limitation – more than anything else of of a lineup that was not very good so like if you look at the team right you have jp crawford been pretty good mitch hanniger pretty good ty france kyle seager toro since the all-star right but he was not here all year and that's the other thing right the mariners are better than their record by the way they've been playing but they had an absolutely miserable may and there was covid and there were injuries right Mm -hmm. so there were excuses but i think the point is that a lot of stuff went wrong and then a lot of stuff went right. So you can't act like, oh, they were unlucky. No, they've been very lucky. But at the end of the day, they ran out of gas. And I think a lot of that is because there wasn't really, it wasn't a deep lineup, you know? Uh, I mean, look at look at today, right? The Kyle Seeger. so like who gets on base? Jared Kelnick, who has been good since coming back up. He's been a real bright spot. But Jared Kelnick's on base and then Tom Murphy gets on base too. And, but then jp crawford and then it's kyle seager who drives him in you know and that's it that's that's our runs yeah right it's been all kyle seager all mitch hanniger and it's just it's not been enough you know and i think the other thing is that for a good chunk of the season we didn't have a fifth starter now that was injuries but we were doing bullpen days and we lost like every single one of our bullpen days (laughs) except for against the reigning al cy young winner that was a weird day um that was a very very weird day but the point is that there was a stretch of the year, especially late May, early June, where we had Logan Gilbert, who was a kid on load management. So he's not pitching more than four innings, followed up by a bullpen day. So, of course, the bullpen was stretched and we were losing games. And it just feels like I'm not asking for Jerry DePoto to go in and, like, get Max Scherzer, right? I'm asking for a starter, you know? <laughs> and I think that is, that is my greatest fear is that the Mariners are going to chicken out of spending this offseason, and it's going to cost this team because this team is good, but it's probably two good right-handed hitters, another really good starter. I'd say that it's that away from being a contender. Now, if they get that, I'm serious, man. This team is pretty good and deep and has the farm system. You know, there's a lot to be done, and I'm excited to see what Jerry DePoto can do for a real contending team. Yeah, I'm really excited for it as well. Um, like like you said before, I think this team is about you know, you know, an extra an extra bat or two and one more one more solid piece in the pitching department away from actually yeah. being able to compete seriously. And um, I think this team is going to take this scrappy season and be able to you know really learn from it and actually be able to prepare there, there's real hope here for the seattle mariners which is something uh something that hasn't been said in a long time harry that's true that's very true but you know i'll just i'll, I'll just say it like this andrew right like there's hope but it's frustrating in the moment to know that we came so close and that frankly it's not technically need... over harry 
It's, it's not technically over, and you know I'm going to be here the whole time, but we would probably be in a wild card spot right now if we had had a five-man rotation the entire year and we had picked up any of the available cheap right-handed bats. But that's all retrospect. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. so let's be fair enough there. But, yeah, that's, that's my case. Folks, it's a great season. The Mariners have been fun. You should come out and see them. Um, when they come back for the last homestand, I know. I think we're going to go see him, Andrew. Yeah, the the last homestand will be against both the Angels and the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, at least humiliate the rest of the division on our way out, you know. Yeah, but yeah, a good season, a very good season, and I I'm certainly going to be extraordinarily excited when the next season rolls around. But admittedly, in this moment, having watched my beloved team be absolutely butchered by the Red Sox on back to back nights, yeah, yeah, it stings, doesn't it? It stings. It really does. And I think the worst part is the Red Sox don't deserve to make the playoffs. They're a team that's been terrible. They got a bunch of COVID players. Their bullpen sucks, but was really good against us. Like, you know, it's, it's not fair. Um, but the big teams are going to go back to the playoffs and the little Mariners are going to 20, 20 years, 20 years. MLB Siberia once again continues to be on the outside looking in, but that's Unfo- right. Unfortunately, that's right. folks, I do believe that's where we are going to have to end it today. Harry, as per usual, would you like to lead us out? Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bubby's Brunch Buddies. Hope you gained a new perspective on the upcoming games or the Mariners season, or at least you gained some important Bubby's trivia. Thank you for listening. Have a great evening. 